Prime Minister gave me a mandate to double the number of female entrepreneurs in our country. And here's the economic benefit to the country. We can add up to $150 billion to the Canadian economy simply by empowering women into the economy. So as part of that investment, we created a national ecosystem and regional ecosystem with mentorship, giving them sort of helping them navigate to find access to capital. So just a whole bunch of supportive work in that ecosystem. That's what we actually provided some additional capacity to. So it isn't direct funding to female entrepreneurs. What it actually though is, is it's giving the ecosystem more support to do the work that they've already been doing to support female entrepreneurs. Women entrepreneurs are facing unusual challenges during this pandemic. We still have gender diversity issue. We have increased responsibility in our caregiver role during this pandemic. We also continue to have limited access to funding. There are many challenges, no doubt. For us who live in Canada, if you are still wondering, what action have the Canadian government taken to help us women entrepreneurs to recover from the COVID-19 pandemic, then you must listen to this special episode. You're listening to Her CEO Journey, the business finance podcast for women entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Christina Shahli. If you are new here, a big warm welcome. If we are not connected on LinkedIn, please reach out and say hi, because that's where I hang out and share my business finance tips. If you have been listening to this podcast for over a year, I want you to know I appreciate you. My podcast won't be around without your support. This is a free weekly show where my guests and I want to inspire you to achieve financial equality through your business. If there is something I haven't covered yet in this podcast that you are eager to learn more about it, I want to hear from you. Send me a private message on LinkedIn or record your question using the link in the show notes. Simply record your name, business, and your question, and I will feature you in a bonus episode. As I mentioned earlier, this is a special episode because I do have a very special guest, the one and only the Honorable Mary Ng. She is the Canadian Minister of Small Business Export Promotion and International Trade. I have admired her from afar since her appointment as a member of parliament in 2018. Not only Minister Ng has a direct mandate from Canada Prime Minister to double the number of women entrepreneurs by 2025, but throughout this pandemic, she has listened and taken action to help not only all small businesses, but including women-led businesses as well. I have included all the links to the support available from the Canadian government to all small businesses and the specific support for women entrepreneurs in the show notes. Let's find out Minister Ng's journey to get where she is today and how the Canadian government is helping all the small businesses, including women entrepreneurs, to recover from this pandemic. Minister Eng, welcome to her CEO journey. It's such an honor to have you here. I always started this podcast with a journey. If you can share just a moment in your experience or something that intrigued you to become a politician. 
Well, Christina, it's so great to talk to you. I think it captures it like this. I really do believe you have to see it to be it. And for me, what led me to make the decision to run for public office was very simple. I just didn't see a lot of people who look like me. I also was someone who was working and has been working throughout my entire career to create opportunities and access opportunities for people, for young people, for women, for immigrants, because that's who I am. When I had to sort of look at myself and say, well, I'm doing all of these things to support women of a visible minority group, to be able to sit at the leadership table, to sit at the decision-making table, it really became compelling that I needed to, to be proud of what I stand for, and not for me, but actually for the young people, for the young girls and the young women who should never think that they could not be a cabinet minister. They should think that they belong exactly where I am now. And I don't want them to actually question it at all. I want to be able to demonstrate that it's possible. So it really is to see it, to be it, which is why I ran. That is such a powerful thing because absolutely, when I saw you got elected and then I saw you in March when you were at the SHIO and then to understand the mandate that you received from the prime minister, I find a strength. How has your journey been? been to get where you are today? Well, my entire career, I mean, over 20 years has really been in service of people. Mm. That's where it really comes from. So I find my own personal greatest reward in making impact and impact in terms of making our environment a better place, our society a better place, our institutions a better place. This is sort of a continued extension of what I've been doing for, you know, over two decades of my life, which is in service of people. But I really draw a lot of energy, the ability to be able to do what I do. And I find what I get the opportunity to do is very humbling. I serve the people of Markham Thornhill. They have elected me to represent them in the federal parliament and as their member of parliament and to serve the people who uh, who put me here is what I find to be a very fulfilling journey. I draw a lot of inspiration from the young people who I serve, from the seniors who I serve, from the entrepreneurs and the business people, because in Markham, Thornhill, Hill, it's a very high tech, very business oriented community, but it's also very diverse. I have one of the most diverse ridings in the country. So you have people from all over the world who I get to serve. So it really, I always say that we have sort of the perfect microcosm in the riding that I represent. So was there any struggle at all? Yes, of course. Yes, of course, there's struggle because when you walk in a room and I'm five feet tall in the environments that I've certainly been in throughout my life, people would not necessarily think that I'm the minister. When I served the prime minister in a senior capacity, people didn't necessarily think that I was the person uh, serving in that capacity. So I do think that breaking down barriers and to see it to be it is really important And it really is important because we all do this together. And I'm so thrilled that around the table, around the cabinet table, in fact, I just came from a cabinet meeting and half of us are women. The other half of us are men. We also come from different parts of the world as well, our heritage. That diversity is really our strength. But is it is it a struggle at times? Absolutely. We're also right at a time in our history where it had very, very difficult of the last number of weeks. On one, we're fighting a global pandemic on health. At the same time, right now, we are fighting racism. We are fighting anti-Black racism. 
acknowledging that anti-Black racism exists is just the beginning. And there is much to do. So in my own writing, there are a lot of people of East Asian descent, so Chinese Canadians, uh, Japanese Canadians, Korean Canadians, people who have been discriminated at because of COVID-19 and where people thought the origin, if you're if you're East Asian, if you're Chinese, somehow you might have COVID-19. So we are fighting on many grounds, but we are Canadians. We are resilient. The support and the measures that the government of Canada has put out, which put people first, the health of our country first, together with the economic prosperity of our country is what I have been able to work on and I will continue to work on. Absolutely. I know you have been very busy, Minister Eng. On May 16, you announced there is a $15 million funding for women entrepreneurs that is allocated to help during the pandemic. I know a lot of my audience don't understand or they're thinking that this funding is only for certain type of business. Is that the case? And then how can they access this funding? Well, let me explain it. Uh, So what we did was we put $15 million to create additional capacity to the women's ecosystem. So what is the women's ecosystem? I'll take a step back. So as the minister responsible for small business and international trade, I have in my mandate to double the number of female entrepreneurs in our country. Why? Because only 16% are female entrepreneurs of all of our small and medium-sized businesses, which make up 99% of all our businesses. The prime minister gave me a mandate to double the number of female entrepreneurs in our country. And here's the economic benefit to the country. We can add up to $150 billion to the Canadian economy simply by empowering women into the economy. So as part of that investment, we created a national ecosystem and regional ecosystem. So these are organizations like CEO, for example, like the Women's Enterprise uh, Center that serves the prairies in Western Canada, like Bemersel in Quebec, and many, many, many others that I'm mm-hmm. missing, of course. These are organizations who support women entrepreneurs, helping them navigate, helping them with mentorship, helping them navigate to find access to capital. So just a whole bunch of supportive work in that ecosystem. That's what we actually provided some additional capacity to. It isn't direct funding to female entrepreneurs. What it actually though is, is it's giving the ecosystem more support to do the work that they've already been doing to support female entrepreneurs because the programming and the supports that we put out for COVID-19 are things like the wage subsidy support. So helping companies keep their employees so that Mm -hmm. by the federal government paying 75%. It is the small business loan, which is the $40,000 loan where $10,000 of it is forgivable. And that's available to business owners. It is making sure that they know how to get access to the commercial rent support for those businesses that have suffered significant revenue decrease. It's really important to me that while we supported all small and medium-sized businesses during COVID-19, that women entrepreneurs who already have challenged, like during the good times, and now they're wearing many hats, like they are still the primary caregiver in a lot of cases, making sure that they had that support. So the funding really was to help the existing ecosystem so that they can do more work, increasing their capacity and increasing their support so that they can work with the existing female entrepreneurs or women-owned businesses in, you know, across the country. 
So basically, in order to access that funding, women entrepreneurs need to approach the specific organization that you mentioned and then, you know, what is available to them. That's what you are saying. Yeah, that's exactly it. It's really just to help the ecosystem get more capacity, but really to help entrepreneurs, it's all those things I talked about, right? Commercial rent support, wage subsidy support, the lending support, helping you your costs down by deferring things like tax payments and customs duties. Like all of those things are there to make sure that our businesses across the country can be supported during COVID-19. Okay, you touch on the rent assistance. I know it has been a struggle. Even I've seen it in my own clients to deal with the landlord and then basically asking them to apply for the rent assistance. They feel like they didn't get the same support. They're saying if they have to give up 25% on the rent, but they're not receiving 25% decrease in property taxes, in utilities and all that stuff. Have you heard anything else why it's so difficult for them? Well, I've been talking to businesses and I've also been talking to landlords. Yeah. If there's one thing that COVID-19 has taught us, that we need to work together as Team Canada. We all are in this together. But I would say to landlords who has been so impacted and that they don't have the revenue, they're not going to be able to pay you. That doesn't help you either. It really is requiring everyone to get into this. So I am asking landlords to please apply for this, but I'm also talking, you know, remember rent is also not an area of federal responsibility. It's an area of provincial responsibility. So, but we've stepped up because we, we believe that it's important for us to work together because we need to support our businesses. So we work with the provinces and I encourage provinces to also use the tools at their disposal, complementary tools that to make sure that this program is successful. So some of the province have put a moratorium on commercial evictions. They've done that in some of the Atlantic provinces. I know other provinces are looking at it. So there are other tools. I would encourage my provincial colleagues to also look at that. But at the end of the day, my job has always been to listen to the small businesses. Let's put programs together. Let's put the supports in there so that you can weather through this difficult time so that we can get on that road to recovery and that you're supported through this because the Canadian economy needs you. Yes, definitely. I know Ontario Premier already announced that he won't allow any commercial eviction until August 31st. I know as women entrepreneurs, and then I heard this so many times, the federal government has provided all this type of loan. And then even the SIBA is 10,000 is grand, but it's still like a portion of it is like it's a loan. Women entrepreneur has this tendency of fear of getting debt financing. And then all of this are mostly our debt financing. Is there anything that you have seen to change the mindset, not to fear of getting debt financing, especially during this crisis where we need them? Yeah, absolutely. This is very much a part of the women's entrepreneurship strategy. It is to ensure that there is support out there for our female entrepreneurs and our women-led businesses. It's to help them develop that capacity and that tolerance for perhaps taking on that additional lending risk so that they can manage their way through COVID-19. This is why we have the ecosystems as we have them to help our women-led businesses through their entrepreneurial journey. It's also why we invested in the Women's Entrepreneurship Knowledge Network. 
this is why we put out a, you know, it's the largest ever venture capital funding to support women entrepreneurs, a $200 million fund for women in technology, supporting women, business women in international trade so that they can grow not only domestically or in Canada, but access those international markets by growing your business. So all of these things are very exciting. And women entrepreneurs were firing on all cylinders before COVID-19. So my job right now is to make sure that we support you through this journey so that we can, in that course of restart and recovery, we can get ourselves back on a path that will allow you to continue growing the vibrant businesses that you've just worked so hard to create. I know that we have a big market outside Canada. Is that the right strategy during this recovery process to step on the international market? Because every type of business growth, it's always needing capital access to grow. So do you believe it's the right thing? And then why is that the right thing to tap on the international market right now, especially when the supply chain is so crazy at this moment? I will share with you what I've shared sort of around the G20 table and where I've shared with my international colleagues and uh, with Canadian businesses. Mm-hmm. Let's not use COVID-19 as an excuse to stop trading. Canada is a trading mm-hmm. country. We access those markets because that's where our customers are. Canada is a country of uh, just under 40 million people and our trade agreements gives us access to a billion and a half customers. These are customers. So for our companies to grow, they need to be able to grow not only in Canada, but also domestically. But you're absolutely right about the predictability of global supply chains, which is why I, as the international trade minister, have been working with international allies, like-minded countries with uh, the APEC, the World Trade Organization, the G20, to make sure that we are standing up to ensure that global supply chain, especially for essential goods, especially for agriculture, for food, remains stable and that the supply chains continue to move around the world. And we have actually been pretty successful at ensuring that essential goods, particularly medical supplies, medical goods and agriculture, like Canada, along with about 43, I think it was somewhere 40 somewhat countries, WTO members signed on uh, on a commitment to ensure that the global supply chain of food remains predictable because Canada feeds Canada, but Canada also feeds the world. So there is work that we need to continue to do to ensure that our global supply chains remain competitive, but remain resilient. And that where there are measures that have been put up that may be barriers during this time of COVID-19, that they are temporary, that they're targeted and that they're transparent. This is the work that I look forward to continuing to do with the Ottawa group, which is a group of countries that I convene, that Canada convenes and working directly with the World Trade Organization. So it's just ensuring that Canada continues to play both a leadership role, but also one where we are participating in that global trading system that really benefits uh, Canadians. It creates good jobs. It helps workers. Let's remember why we do trade, because it helps our economy. It creates jobs. It helps communities. So I always think about what I do in terms of how does it help people and how is it going to help our country? And at the end of the day, helping our businesses weather through this difficult time ultimately is about helping Canadians and supporting uh, people. So you're saying, especially the one entrepreneur, think big 
and then think exporting to recover from this pandemic and don't, don't use this to stop any type of growth in the future. So one last question, Minister Ng. So you grew up in a very entrepreneurial environment, right? What you have seen based on your experience work for any type of business during a crisis so they can continue to thrive and then they continue to grow? I'm not going to take any credit for my parents who actually were the entrepreneurs and the business owners. But yes, as an immigrant uh, family that came to Canada, I mean, my parents raised us by having a small restaurant. I saw how hard they worked and I certainly worked in the restaurant. And when I was old enough to drive, I started delivering Chinese food. So it becomes a family affair. And I think about my job, my present job with that in mind, which is what are some of the things that they need and how hard it is and how much they put into their business. And their, their businesses is really a vehicle for feeding their family, for raising their family. And what I have seen and what I have observed is just an incredible resiliency among Canadian businesses and entrepreneurs. Entrepreneurs are really great problem solvers. For example, like women-owned business, she's a bakery, she has five employees, she used the wage subsidy to keep her people on staff, she took the SIBA loan so that she can pay the other 25% and keep her staff so that they got paid a full wage like they were before COVID-19. She invested a bit of that uh, loan money into increasing her online ordering system because she had to close her doors, but the bakery side of her business continues to have demand. So she pivoted a little bit and created additional revenue stream through accessing the loan, through using the wage subsidy, and now is able to sort of, you know, look at it, doing her business just a little differently. The Canadian companies that have stood up in the Made in Canada initiative, which is Canadian manufacturing companies that have retooled their operations so that they can make masks and gowns and gloves and shields and producing sanitizers. Like, so really incredible Canadian innovation, Canadian entrepreneurship, Canadian resilience. I'm so proud to be a Canadian because I'm just seeing these incredible companies and entrepreneurs doing their part at pivoting their business where they can. But at the same time, I also recognize that not everyone has been in that situation. Many are in very difficult times. It is very, very hard for you. I just want you to know that I'm listening. I understand. And we're going to do everything we can to support you through this difficult time. There's a spectrum and, uh, and it's really positive to see what has been really great. But for those that are still experiencing hard times, know that we're going to have to keep working together to get through this. I'm proud to be Canadian. I'm proud that we have you as the Minister of Small Business, Trade and International. It's like it's been great to see this, to witness this myself as an immigrant myself. So thank you so much for being here, Minister Ng. If people want to reach out to you, where can they find you? Well, I think the best way to do it is through social media. I think I uh, try to keep people very informed of what we're doing, what the government's doing. So it's Mary underscore NG. So on whether it's Facebook or Twitter or Instagram, LinkedIn, and they can always email me as well. Mary.ng at parl.gc.ca. Minister Ng, it's an honor to be here. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Christina. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for joining me here every week at Her CEO Journey, the business finance podcast for women's entrepreneurs. Head on over to christinashahli.com forward slash 
her CEO journey to subscribe for this podcast. And don't forget to tell other women entrepreneurs that this podcast is available for free in the podcast apps of their choice. Until next time, and let's continue to grow a business that fuels the life that you want to live.